Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bull, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. Uh, I am your host, Chris, and with me today, I have special guest, Alex Boatman. How's it going? Yeah, fantastic. Can't <laughs> wait to get, a, get, get this going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can find, yeah, right? You can you can find Tubbs at the Club on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and of course, TubbsAtTheClub.com. Today, we are coming to you with a little bit of a... I guess update episode. It's uh, I know it's a little past National Signing Day, but uh, we had some issues, and so we still owe you guys a recruiting podcast. So figured former player, great to bring on fellow podcaster. Yeah. Um, if obviously if you didn't catch our first episode with Boatman, uh, he is part of the Kicking It Podcast. Uh, you can find them. Well, I'll let you tell them about yeah, the Kicking It podcast. podcast. Find us on Twitter at k i c k n i t. Um, podcast i think right yep that's it k-i-c-k-n-i-t podcast follow find us on soundcloud kicking it podcast um spotify and uh itunes um all under kicking it um k-i-c-k-i-n a little apostrophe it podcast uh you might find it better sometimes if you search my name alex boatman on spotify or something like that um we actually just got done recording uh interview today we just interviewed elijah penny yeah. Nice. That's a big one. See? So there you go. This that means it's by the time you're listening to this, everybody, it's probably already <laughs> out. So pause, go listen to that, come back, or vice versa. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, we got big news. Great recruiting class, but we got to start it off with uh, the new inside linebackers coach has been named. Which, um, if some of you listen to. Uh, my podcast I did with the NAU and Big Sky Sports podcast when asked about coach departures and everything, I brought up um, how we lost our – we kind of looked like we were going to consolidate coaching staffs like most of the FCS and not quite have as big of a staff. So it was kind of cool to see Petrino still kind of want to have a large, more FBS type of coaching staff. And he brought in a very familiar name and popular name around the university and Coach James Schultz. Um, and I think it's a great hire. I, uh, you know, he just spent some time at UCF, you know, year after their quote unquote national championship run. So um, saw a little bit of a coaching change, saw a little bit of Southern culture. We know Petrino loves the South. So I, I think it's a perfect fit. I couldn't imagine them hiring anybody else. Alex, what are your, your thoughts and opinions on, on the hire and coach? Oh, man, I love, I love Schultz. I always call him Schultz. Um, you know, he was at Idaho my entire time, except that last season when he uh, left to be a GA at UCF. Um, he was originally a student assistant at Idaho for four years and then um, became a graduate assistant for two years and nothing but the best. I love the guy. Um, I actually ran into him when I was up in Moscow. I didn't know he was coming back. I ran up to him up in Moscow, um, let's see, late January, early February, and, you know, before it all became officially announced. But he's been back on, he's been back on campus here this, basically this entire semester, and you know, he's a guy who loves the program, guy from Boise, um, went to school at Idaho, loves everything about the program. And he said he was just down in Florida. He got a call from Coach Bresky, and, you know, he didn't quite believe it um, when he when he got the call. And and uh, just and then he said, you're going to get a call from Coach Petrino, I think, tomorrow. And sure enough, he's back up in Moscow. And I think I think that was – it's great, you know. Um, you know, it's hard losing Coach Daly, someone who – also, I've been at Idaho my entire time there, from GA to DFO to mm. outside linebackers, inside linebackers. Coach Daly had done it all, um, but I don't blame him for that move home. I never blame any of our coaches for moving on. Um, tough profession. 
Um, Idaho's a tough place to coach. Um, coach Patron demands a lot of his coaches as he does his players. Um, but, you know, that's kind of – got to be a tough guy to coach at Idaho and tough guy to be a player at Idaho, and that's kind of our program style. So to get someone in who kind of knows the culture already and has lived the culture, it'll be a smooth transition, easy transition across. Yep, and he, and he's helped coach, I believe, both sides of the ball. I know he, he started with Coach Kreiner back in the Aiki days, and then I believe Petrino actually brought him over to kind of teach him some offense and then went back to – so, I mean, he's – well-rounded coach, like you said, has been around the program. I mean, you can't – the experience he probably got in UCF alone yeah. is worth making them the higher, let alone his his pride in the university and everything he knows around our system and our players. And I saw it. He high. said he learned everything – he said he learned a lot from Randy Shannon. For those of you who do not know who Randy Shannon is, um, he was the D.C. at UCF this last year. Um, used to be head coach at Miami. We used to be a position coach in D.C. at Miami, played at Miami. Um, he's been all around Florida and is really – well-known coach in that area so he learned a lot from a, a great coordinator and a great a great guy on the defensive side of the ball there at UCF and I know Schultz and uh, coach Bresky have quite a good relationship so that'll be a nice uh, nice thing for him moving there to inside linebackers right and just keep keep those linebackers yeah. rolling and be one of the best position units and god honestly probably hey, some guy. big shoes we're, to fill some big shoes to fill up yeah there are some big shoes but as well, uh, a perfect transition. Exactly. Flying, you, know, we're, you know, let's talk about some of these guys we've probably we, we've brought in here to try to fill some of those shoes. Um, so for those of you that uh, don't know, uh, we did record a previous uh, during the first signing period episode, Martin and I. So make sure you go check that one out. We're going to kind of pick up where Martin and I left off. So starting in, um, you know, your Jan- January signings uh, and on. Um but, yeah, we'll start from these guys, and then we'll kind of cover it. And then also we're going to ask Alex on just the class in general, some guys he really he really likes. Um, you know, first guy, I guess we'll start. Uh, I'm just going to roll down. If you're interested in reading the list and seeing some highlights, obviously uh, govandals.com in the football section. That's where I'm getting my list. Um, we ended up getting Caleb Covington. He's a 5'10", 175-pound receiver out of Arizona. And I know this was the guy that kind of – was seemed to be holding up the where Petrino didn't want to announce that the the signings had all been over. Um, I think this is a guy they really wanted, and I, I I think it's a good get. I I as you'll see when we go through, I think we did really well at the skill positions and linebacker. Um, I mean, I don't know if you got any anything on Caleb, or I might just roll through these, and if you like any of them or got anything to say, it might just stop me. Or, yeah, I'll kind of talk about uh, Covington real quick. I don't know much about him. I haven't, you know, talked to too many guys about him. Um, but you kind of look at his build, 5'10", 175, which is maybe, you know, an inch inflated or a couple pounds inflated, which is always mm-hmm. kind of actually how it is. It's kind of the build that you see Petrino go after in receivers. He likes his yeah. he likes his fast guys. And, you know, you saw in this big Sun Belt and even the big sky that you need speed um, to compete and get around the edges. So, this is a typical Petrino recruit. Love to see all the guys got Arizona, and this is kind of the first one, and obviously someone who was holding them up. So obviously it's someone he really wanted. So that's kind of good to see. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, a little fun fact about him too. You know, his uh, high school quarterback was the top quarterback in this class, Spencer Rattler. He's committed to, I believe, he ended up signing with Oklahoma. I know that's where he was committed for a while, but uh, you know, he's coming from. I don't want to say, you know, maybe let's just say I hope that Caleb Covington made Spencer Rattler look better than he really was <laughs> um I'll, I'll take that uh then we got david exactly, exactly. And then another kid you know out of arizona because apparently that's our new connection which is 
awesome because Northern Arizona's come up and swoops guys from us. So um, glad to see us going down there and really competing. Then we got David Eppinger, um, DB, 5'11", 177 pounds. So um, you you know his molds better than you know most, but uh, you know number seven cornerback coming out of the state of Arizona. Um, helped his his team won three state titles. Seems to be just a huge playmaker. Um, seems to be really good at tackling. So I think I could see maybe him maybe being switched over into more of the safety position. But uh, you're, you're the football mind here. You tell me what you like about David. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'd, I'd like to see these guys, you know, in mat drills and things like that and get a look at them their speed-wise. But I'm going to go with this guy. Probably has some good speed on him. And that's exactly what you need um, playing the DB position. Look at Lloyd Hightower. Um, Lloyd has been probably consistently one of the fastest, if not the fastest guy on the team the last couple of years. And he had a fantastic season at the cornerback position. So if speed is everything and um, coach Smith's a great corners coach and um, coach Bressy, good DBs coach. So I think this guy will be in good hands and, as he uh, comes out. I know one that uh, certain podcast listeners can be really excited about. We got uh, Joshua. Oh gosh. Guzig. 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 Offensive yeah, lineman, music, six, who knows? 277 pounds. Um, I actually knew about this guy. Um, for those of you that are active on Twitter, either at Tubbs at the Club or me, you'll probably recognize, or on FCS Fans Nation, uh, one of their admins, Kelsey, Kelsey Hatch Barrick, I believe is proper pronunciation. Uh, her husband is the athletic director at this guy's high school, and I believe his her mom might be the principal or a teacher. So she gave me the rundown early on that he was kind of looking at Idaho and says, you know, absolute phenomenal character, um, a guy that you probably won't see any any issues with, just big old nice guy, but uh, definitely a nice guy that you, you don't want to mess with when he's on the football field. Uh, yeah, yeah it's state, state wrestler. It's 277, state, that's a frame. Um, voted MVP, Eastern Washington's big man on campus. Uh, and you know, they, they breed them tough in, in Spokane in the inland Northwest. And, uh, I, I think this guy is going to be, um, a, a guy here in a couple of years that was really going to help hanker down that, that line. You know, anytime you can get a guy who's six, six, even though he's only two seventy seven, let him get in coach Sean horse program for a year or two, let him red shirt and, uh, let him throw about 20 to 20, 30 pounds on that frame. And, um, obviously he has to have some sort of aggression. If he plays football and is also, a state uh caliber wrestler so you know it's the kind of guy you want on your team um and then here comes the fun one uh if nobody knows this by now (laughs) um petrino huge on family in case you didn't know by having uh both the (laughs) reskies obviously the whole ellis family practically other than noah's on the team um God, who else are fit? Uh, you know, you have both the Linehan brothers. The Grams, the, the Grams for yeah. a second. Yeah. So, I mean, like, huge on fam. Obviously, him and Mason. The Noyles. Yep. The yep. Noyles. Yep. Yeah, Warrior. And uh, it's – you got two more. You got two twins this time, though. He, you know, brothers and dads and, you know, sons. That wasn't enough. Had to make it a little bit more confusing. We got Hayden H- Hatton. Hayden, uh, possibly tight end wide receiver, 6'3", 218 pounds. And his brother Hogan, who's 6'3", 218 pounds as well, ironically. One's listed as uh, uh, Hogan's listed as a linebacker. They're both from Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, and, you know, two guys that I think uh, will be pretty big, you know, Im- impactors for us. I think, um, I don't know necessarily on this. I just have a hunch that uh, with Ashby leaving, um, we might need Hayden to move into that tight end role, and you might be able to see him 
him maybe sooner than Hogan, since I think we're actually pretty set at linebacker. But definitely, I think two guys that at some point will be playing meaningful minutes together. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned tight end real quick. Um, we've, you know, Connor had a pretty good year as a true freshman this last year, but, and you look at before that, Joe was a great blocker, but ever since we've lost Trent Cowan in 2016, seems like we've kind of haven't really had a great tight end to hold us yeah. down. I think Connor's on his way there. Um, really similar reminds me of Trent and the way he's built. Um, and I think, uh, Hayden looking at his build, very similar to Trent and, I, I, I think that's something that was big You to win football games, especially in Coach Petrino's offense. You need to have a good tight end who can block and also catch because it kind of seems to be the guy everyone always for, forgets about and uh, when it comes to coverage. So you get a good tight end. And, you know, like you said, the whole family aspect, it never hurts to have more fam- family on a team because the team together is a big family. So you get guys that are more about yeah. that aspect, uh, Not, and, nothing better. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love the whole family thing. I think it, it's really cool, and I think – it was really rare when you were in the uh, Sun Belt, but I think in the Big Sky it really mm-hmm. fits, and I think it's uh, a deadly combo when you have maybe some guys playing for more than just obviously the name on the front of their jersey, but in a way, still that name on the back. There, you know, they got family involved, and um, yeah, I I I love it. Um, then we got a, a right. big tall receiver, which is is nice because um, you always need a guy to go up there and get it, and that'd be uh, Nehemiah Parker, six four, hundred eighty two pounds. Uh, most of you guys are gonna love this. He's from Mountain Home, Idaho. Um, all second team, all state selection. Um, he scored on a 95 yard touchdown run in the playoffs. Um, maybe not as many receptions and yards as you'd want, but you know, seven touchdowns in high school is impressive. And, uh, I, I know more for most people, this is just awesome to see some local kids getting signed. Um, but I think this once again is the local kid that, you know, maybe given a red shirt year could have some contributing minutes here. Um, once our, what I think is a, very stacked wide receiver room kind of starts graduating out and everything like that. But definitely nice to have a guy like this waiting in the whims soon. Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, six four one eighty two. You need that tall, big receiver to go out there and get balls. And uh, you know, love the local aspect. Being someone from Idaho, I love to see Idaho guys on the team. So you know, it's good to see someone, uh, especially from high school like Mountain Home, doesn't usually get too many D one recruits. So good for a. Uh, Good for him, um, good for Mountain Home. Then uh, another nice wide receiver, 6'4", 181 pounds of uh, the Par- – yeah, yeah. If Parker doesn't work out you know, or gets hurt or gets tired, uh, we've got the DeSeau Puffer. Puffer. Um, God, I, someday I got to – well, once they're on the team, that's when you actually learn their pronunciation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ten touchdowns, so a little bit more there as a senior. Um, but uh, – three-time state title, uh, another just big-body wide receiver that uh, should be able to help um, just re-solidify this passing offense. That I just I can't believe the kinds of guys we're still able to get in with who I think is just already on the team. It's, it's kind of like our running back room. I was amazed we signed some of the running backs we did, knowing that we have so many good ones in yeah. front of them. But that's just goes – it's a title to the recruiting. We're, we're Man, Peter and Pino exactly. and all of them are getting after it. Yeah. Well, you know, I kind of hit on this Arizona aspect, this Arizona angle. Everyone's always going, people are going, you know, how are we recruiting Arizona? Where did that come from? Well, it kind of came in the form of uh, Coach Oliver this last year being uh, moved to a full-time position coach at tight ends. Um, So as a DFL, you're not allowed to recruit different when you're a position coach. You can go recruit. He is from Arizona, still has a lot of great contacts in Arizona, and that who – 
that's who took over for Coach Purcell. That was Coach Purcell's recruiting ground was Arizona before he left. And so once he left, that became Coach Oliver's recruiting ground. And it looks like he hit that really hard, and they found a lot of great guys that they all agreed upon. That that's And that's great. You know, It's great to see uh, guys from the West Coast, but kind of a state that we never really see too many guys from. So hopefully they can keep that uh, pipeline going. And then, uh, man, this guy is probably my favorite that we were able to sign. Just so for, for more than yeah. one reason, you know. Uh, in, in my opinion, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I'll reiterate it. Uh, when I say local kid, I'm usually thinking Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana. Um, I think those states kind of combined are where you might find some alumni, and I consider that local. Um, so in my opinion, this kid is a local kid, and if it wasn't, it, it'd be even better. But we got the arguably best name. Um, Coyote Rufia Rufia. Um, he's from Portland, Oregon, but uh, more importantly, is a transfer from Riverside Tech down there in Boise. Um, yeah, yeah, TTFB, yeah. that team from Boise. <laughs> um, and not even that, but uh, he made the 2017 All Academic Mountain West team, which uh, just goes to show why he decided to choose Idaho. He uh, figured Idaho uh, exactly. academics might be a little bit more important. But if you think he's one of those guys that also was just looking for uh, playing time and didn't think he would see the field at Boise State, you're wrong. Um, he actually has played at Boise State um, at since a fresh his freshman year. He's had two seasons under his belt there and been rather productive for him. One of the players I know that um, Boise State fans are actually very sad to leave him or see him leave. Um, but a, a really, really solid pickup. Um, and, you know, keeping back to that family trend, maybe this had something to do with it. Maybe it didn't. But his uh, brother, Mujib, uh, who's six foot, 198 pounds, um, listed as a defensive back, also decided to choose Idaho after redshirting last year at Boise State. So we got two Boise State transfers, two brothers, one who had serious playing time and one who they were probably expecting to play more of this year as well. Yeah, you know it's great. Um, the first guy, I guess, oh, Coyote, Coyote. Coyote I, I don't quite know. Um, this is a, it's Coyote. All right, perfect. Um, this is a guy who immediately slots into a starting spot. Yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be presumptuous here, but this is a guy. You look at his build. Um, he doesn't list his height and weight, but I know he's around six two, two fifty. This is a guy you like to play at your end. You like to play at your buck position. Um, it's going to be great. He'll fit right into our three four defense. And like you said, he played in two seasons. He played at Boise State, 19 games uh, across those seasons. Mm. So out of 19, out of like 24 games, which as a redshirt freshman to start seeing the field, you know, he made 18 career tackles. I'm going to assume most of those tackles came in the, this probably the second year. So it's someone who obviously they are pr- looking to promote and play quite a bit more. Um, you know, it's great to get his brother too, guys who looked like great academic guys. Um, looking at his brother is all Portland interscholastic, uh, you know, um, He's all Portland or Classic League in terms of a uh, football and a uh, basketball, so it's great. You know, it's it's great to see um, a couple of brothers and some guys who are from you know Portland, which only uh, just as far as it is to Seattle or Boise from Moscow. So it's great to see those guys um, coming to Idaho. And the important thing is they're both immediately eligible. There's no transfer rules now that it's FBS to FCS. So like, yes, some of those things where you're like, oh, it's like Christmas where I see my big gift that looks like the box I want, but I don't get to open it until Christmas day, this is, nope, that's the box. That's the thing you wanted. And they get a play right, right here coming up for spring ball. And then into the summer, the fall. So they'll have the playbook under them. They'll have team chemistry going. And I just, (laughs) I don't feel bad for Penn state, but I feel bad for central Washington. I think these guys are going to be big 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know about Penn State. But yeah, everyone exactly. else, everyone else, I feel um, bad for all. Another of them. another local kid, Jack Schuster, uh, six four hundred and eighty seven pounds from Richland in Washington. Um, helped the Bombers to an undefeated state championship in his junior year. Um, they made the playoffs last year. And, uh, yeah, he's a basketball player. Obviously, it's 6'4". I don't know who doesn't play basketball when they're over six foot. But um, right now, listed as an athlete, once again, I, I think you hit it on the head. I think he's that wide receiver frame um, that they were looking at. But uh, who knows? I see he's, he's rocking 35, maybe, I don't know, a safety. or at, what, what do you think? Getting into Bresky and Petrino's safety. mind. What, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, you know, could be safe. It's hard, you know, and depends. Could could be, hey, we're going to put weight on them. We're going to play that tight end. Um, could could be, you know, because you look at it, you're 6'4". Man, imagine if you get them to gain 30 pounds, which isn't that unrealistic, and get them around 220. That'd be a great tight end spot. Could be an outside rusher, you know, in that in that um, buck system. Um, safety receiver, it'd be hard to tell. I, you know, I'll have to – you know, when I go head up north here, eventually I'll have to talk to some buddies and see what um, what they say. Uh, he's not on campus yet, yeah, be funny but this summer I'll have to see where he's probably at. I believe Jack Tate was 35. So 35, yep, so they'll just have to keep rocking. Jack's that was Jack 35. Tate. That might have to be a new Vandal thing. Like, uh, yep, Tater Tot, number, number 35. Tater Tot. Now, now it's going to be Tater Tot. Schuster Booster or something. <laughs> um, now back back down to our there favorite state that's exactly. not the state of Idaho. Uh Phoenix, Arizona, um, from Brophy, Bro- Brophy Prep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Soli Shannon, a linebacker, yeah, six one, two hundred pounds. Um, defensive player of the year for his region, all region first team, all USA Arizona first team. Um, he played safety. Obviously, it looks like we're trying to move him in the linebacker. Um, he's obviously something that probably helped us out. He's worked with John Kitna, who's obviously from Tacoma and worked with the Cowboys and played for the Seahawks. And so, you know, maybe was able to talk to him a little bit about some teams up here in the Northwest, but uh, a solid get in my opinion. Um, I think this is kind of a, a reload guy. I think we brought in a lot of who we talked about Ooh. in that first one with a lot of the uh, Juco guys, to kind of Phil Caden's shoes and Ed Hall shoes. So I think this is a guy that you probably will see in like two to three years, but I mean, he's not going to miss a step. He's going to pop in. And you're going to be like, where was this guy all along? But uh, um, I, I think. I... Okay. Man, you know, looking at look, Oh yeah. I'm excited about this kid. Just looking at his stats, um, you know, six, one, 200, obviously get some weight on him there, but you know, to be at Brophy prep, Brophy prep is a, one of the better schools in Arizona consistently. Um, it's one of the private schools there in Phoenix. And it's kind of known um, for producing some good talent. I know they have been a top 25 rated high school team in the past. So that kind of tells you the level that that school's at. And to be all USA, Arizona first team at safety and to get a hundred tackles at safety is nothing. That's that shows this kid that knows for the ball and loves to get downhill. So I think it's a great move moving the linebacker. Yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll just be coming up with nicknames as we go. Sully the bully there. He's going to be uh, wreaking some havoc. <laughs> Um, exactly. Now our, our January editions, those are obviously the guys we signed on National Signing Day, um, or just before, just after. Uh, another linebacker, six foot, two hundred five pounds, out of Olive Branch, Mississippi. He's a Northwest Mississippi Community College guy. So we moved on from the Mighty Lions of Last Chance U, apparently. Um, yeah, but, uh, we got some. I mean, you know, obviously, we got three solid guys out of there. So I, I hope we can keep that train going. I think the JUCO thing. Um, has 
We've got some good guys out of Mississippi Juco's, you know. Yeah. Um, Ari Anderson was also from Mississippi Juco, um, so it's good to see. Uh, Mississippi Juco is is one of the better states consistently when it comes to Juco football, so they win national titles a lot there. Then Kansas, Mississippi, and uh, usually California is where you find the best Juco was, program. Was, so No, I was going to say, Mark, Mark Mion wasn't. He was from California. He was from Cali. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I think Cali. we do really good. I think we usually get good Juco guys in, and obviously – they, none of them ever seem to get in trouble once they get to Idaho. So you know that the, the the good guys, not the ones you see on Last Chance U, that um, are really in it to be make, making the <laughs> yeah. scene. We got the good football players that just need some time to develop elsewhere. So I think Petrino knows how to find the right guy. So um, I know a lot of people aren't excited about junior college guys, but uh, when you just think of people like DJ Henderson, um, Akeem Coleman, like we we've gotten so many guys out of JUCOs that have been so productive for us. Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year. So I mean, like, Glenn was a great JUCO player. Um, yeah, you know when he came to Idaho. I know did he go JUCO? Yeah. Um, Ari Anderson, yeah. you know, had a great last year. Yeah. That kind of stuff. You know, you find um, yeah. Jeff Cotton, JUCO kid. So you know, guys are currently on the team you'll see that are JUCO kids. So. Yeah, you know, you find the right ones. But looking at this kid, he was originally signed to Memphis out of high school and uh, actually played was redshirted there his freshman year. And so, you know, it's good to see him bounce back. And uh, you call that a 4-2-4 bounce back. And, it, you know, it's good to see that happen. Um, and I'm glad we got him. It sounded like it's one they were trying to recruit hard, obviously, and, and got him there in January. So that's good. That's I'm huge. excited and about then, that uh, addition. Another defensive back, uh, we got Tra, Trey, Nichols. Um, yeah. Holy in California, Mr. Uh, from Modesto Junior College, another JC guy. Um, what's guy. Uh, oh, winning? I was gonna say the City College San Francisco is really good, but uh, um, he did he played against them really well, which is also big. But uh, intercepted ten passes in his career, um, five in each season, eighty tackles, uh, which I I think is good. Um, I know a lot of tackle when you see a lot of tackles usually on a DB, sometimes it means they're getting beat. And so they're making tackles from behind. But the way I see it with his interception total, it means more he's coming up with also having sacks and tackles for loss. He He's coming up and hitting people on screens. And, yeah, he's got yeah, nose for the ball. He's not getting beat deep and making shoelace yeah. tackles. He's coming up and hitting people. So I, I think this will be a, a big mm-hmm. signing for us and uh, maybe put some meat and safety. But, uh, I mean, we, we could use some help at corner and some depth at corner as well. So it, it's nice to have guys like this that are, can be utilized in a couple different fashions. Mm-hmm. Um, then another big guy, uh, or important guy, uh, local kid out of Eagle, Idaho, Ryan Swanson, another DB six foot, a buck 80. So a little lighter, a little smaller, but most importantly, um, he left Boise state after he transferred there from Portland state. Um, which I do believe that yeah. means he won't actually be eligible right away because he started FCS, went FBS, where they redshirted him, and then I, I should know this. So this guy, real quick, I'll enter. Um, this guy, from what I've heard, can fly. I heard he's super fast. Um, but also, it's the guy who took over my lease for my apartment. So this is the guy oh. who's living in my apartment right now. So he's our favorite guy. Room. Um, <laughs> you know, went to yeah. So far, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, went to Portland out of high school, signed there, redshirted, uh, went back to Boise for family stuff. Um. And then, but you know, once that was all resolved, didn't didn't want to be around that program, I think, or didn't like the what was going on there. Um, you know, found a spot up at Idaho. So he, if 
I don't know if he's eligible right away, but in my opinion, since he sat out last year from transferring and then transferred back down, he should be eligible. If that, if my NCAA rules and compliance knowledge is correct. Um, you know, I don't know on transfer credits or things like that. This is something I'm going to have to inquire about the next time I go up there and go to my old place and ask if he's eligible or not. But I've heard this kid can absolutely fly um, and it's fast. Yeah, so deep. I think it's a, I think it's a great get. in the state of Idaho for Eagle. So, I mean, um, huge get. Uh, yeah. Ryan the Swanton Bomb. Um, so that, 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 that rounds out our class right there. <laughs> there um, you go. Just so you guys kind of an idea of where, where it lands. Um, as far as in the FCS landscape, did pretty well. Schools that are ahead of us, according to 247 Sports, uh, you know, you got your Ivies, so you got Harvard, you got Yale, you got Princeton. Um, then S, uh, SFA Austin, or Stephen F. Austin, sorry, uh, made a big move um, up. Uh, Central Arkansas made a move up, and then it's us. So we're topping the big sky just above the likes of Idaho, or sorry, UC Davis and Eastern Washington. Um, North Dakota, we're ranked nationally 137th. Uh, the national champions in the North Dakota State Bison are at 142. And then ironically, our Division II program this year that we are playing Central Washington to open up the Dome finished 143rd in rankings. So for you guys out there who maybe think that Central is going to be an easy walkover, I just think it's time to prep people now to realize this game might be closer than people think. We should still be able to handle them. But, for instance, they out-recruited the likes of Northern Arizona, James Madison, Montana, Idaho State, Kennesaw State, Montana State. So – Whatever they're doing in Central, they know what they're doing. So just don't be surprised if we don't beat them by seventy. Is all I'm saying. That was a that caught my eye. Yeah, no, they're they're a little bit different class of the <laughs> yeah, DT not, program. But they're not uh, Western New Mexico. I can uh, tell you that. I, I, I think that was big. But then I know, obviously, you guys know we used to be a big Hero Sports. Yeah. Um, we used to use their rankings for where where the team was at, and I know Brian McLaughlin. Um, you can give him a follow on Twitter. He's really great. He did a big recruiting breakdown for the top programs in his opinion because he thinks 247 doesn't do necessarily a great job because he thinks a lot of the time when they get an offer from an FCS school, their star ratings drop and everything. So he did a lot of work. He spent all season kind of following recruiting. Now, I don't necessarily agree with where he ranked us. He has us as 37th with our best uh, 24 signees and our best being the 100th best prospect in the of, of the FCS being signed um, in – Marquise Albert at running back, but uh, I do think it's a, a good representation of maybe how someone with a little bit more FCS knowledge goes. So I would say put us somewhere between um, whatever two four seven had us at. I think it was like fifth or sixth, um, and then where Brian McLaughlin has that at thirty seventh. I think we probably had a top ten class. Um, if you talk to people around the nation, they'll probably tell you more more closer to Brian's, but. Uh, I don't know. I just look at some of these teams ahead of us who only sound like 15 kids, 19 kids. I'm sorry. Anytime you can get 24 kids in there, um, tra- F- FBS transfers like the yeah, Coyote and uh, Mujib, uh, and you know we got Swanson. We got we got so many players that I think uh, this will be like the Seahawks 2013 draft class, and people will look back at it on someday and be like, "Wow, that was a that maybe that wasn't graded properly." Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner are are pretty great. My opinion on the whole, my whole class, um, what you got for me. Yeah, you know, looking at some other names that you guys had broken down earlier, that um, what I've heard um, from some guys up north, um, 
Sarah Moscow on some guys that could plug and play pretty, pretty soon. Noah Gunn is a guy they're really high on at O-line. Um, you know, went spent a year at Air Force Prep Academy, which is their feeder program into the Air Force there. Um, come back to Idaho from Coeur d'Alene, another great local kid. I mean, Coeur d'Alene High School, uh, that's a kid I know they're excited about on O-line. Um, you know, they'll have a – I think this upcoming O-line will just be even better than last year's O-line. Just guys that get older – you know, you got Noah and Connor to be seniors. Uh, Sean will be a senior. Um, you have guys like that um, who can help lead the team uh, up front there and also some young, good young talent. Um, guys like Matt Fapusa had a great freshman year for the most part, and Logan Floyd, I know they were really high on last year. So Irv left, so there's some guys like Noah for a chance to him to get in there and play um, for Noah Gunn. Um, Satchel Escalante at safety. Another guy who I hear can almost plug and play. This is a guy that I heard they were – when he was on the visit, this is a guy that they were all focused on trying to get to commit and sign. Um, this is a guy they were extremely high on, and I think he's a guy that can plug and play right there at safety, depending on if it's strong or free. Um, someone else who I know they were really trying to get and really, really working on, uh, Jalen Jenkins, the linebacker out of Butte College. Um this is a guy they think they can help plug up the got spots that like guys like Ed and Caden left and Ty left. Um, obviously Ty moved up to Eastern. Um, so I think there's extremely good guys out of this program that you will want, want to see develop. There's also some guys that you'll be able to plug and play right away. Even uh, guys like uh, they uh, Tomasi, the D lineman from uh, Laney college there, six, one, three, 10. That's a guy that, uh, that coach Ellis can get his hands on and really start to shape and make into a good Idaho D lineman. So, those are some guys um, that I think you're going to see about five guys that you think can, I think it can, can plug and play quite a bit and can contribute to the team. Obviously, I love that new F, uh, that new redshirt rule they implemented last year, able to play up to four games and still keep your redshirt. So that's great. And so hopefully, you know, in games maybe like yeah. Eastern or like, not Eastern, excuse me, like Central, if we're winning or other games that we're possibly winning, um, you can try and give these guys some experience, even against a team like Penn State. So. We'll have to see. Uh, I think uh, it's a really great class, one of the better classes that I've seen um, uh, Coach Petrino sign. You know, some you hear a lot of time, oh, we don't sign enough Idaho kids. Oh, we just sign more Idaho kids. Uh, you know, I think this is a class that we sign quite a few Idaho kids. We have we sign more Idaho kids than Boise or Idaho State. So I, I think that's great. Um, also, other guys, Northwest kids, guys from Washington, guys from Oregon, like you mentioned, those are homegrown kids. Um, that you want to see at the University of Idaho. And I think this is a great class that represents not only Idaho, but other parts of the West, like Arizona and California. Yeah, and like I said, when you listen to our previous podcast, when we had Jake on from uh, Northwest Spotlight, I mean, he was saying Southwest Washington is like the new mecca for just undiscovered gems. There's that Vancouver, Kamath area is just a lot of people are flooding in from Portland, obviously due to the – just the taxation laws and everything like that. Vancouver is becoming a desirable place to live in Washington. And you're getting, I mean, mm-hmm. I think two of their teams won the state titles for the state of Washington this year um, in union. And then uh, I remember it was like two A. but I mean, that area is becoming rich. Obviously we, we lost uh, one of our guys who I was really excited to see down in Northern Arizona, but you know, you got to start viewing it more as now that we're in the big sky, yeah, like I said, if you can get Idaho, Washington, Oregon, Montana guys, consider that local. Um, we're, we're doing as best we can. The landscape has changed from, I think, when a lot of these people really want these Idaho guys. Um, you know, there aren't just a bunch of Tom Hennessy's laying around and uh, no. yeah, Sean Merriman's. Like, they're just – they're not there anymore. Um, the landscape's no. changed. 
but I still love our ability to go get guys from guys like Mississippi at uh, the guy from Northwest Mississippi Community College. I love that ability. Uh, something you don't see a lot of big skies do. A lot of big sky school do is go get guys from the south, mm-hmm. and the su- the south is still the most talent rich part of co- of high school football. I mean, it's just the way it is because it's a religion down there. And you look at all the guys from the southern southern United States that have helped com- um, contribute to our program over the last five years, and Petrino knows it so well, and we've recruited it so well. So I love the ability to mix in guys from the south, but also get guys from the west and guys from Idaho. I think we do a great job of mixing in where we get our guys from. Oh, yeah. And I, I said this. I don't remember if it was in the long-lost pod that Martin and I did or uh, <laughs> the the first pod that we did. But uh, I, I actually really like how Petrino's going about this. He knew going to the big sky we were going to have to do a little bit more of the local thing. And I think he did that. You got your former defensive player of the year in Swanson. Uh, you got um, Romano from Matt Rocky Mountain coming in. So you got this year's 5A Gatorade player of the year. People forget that mm-hmm. I believe Colton Richardson was 5A Gatorade Player of the Year. Chad Chalich was. Him or, uh, him or Colson Yankoff. I can't remember if it was Colton or Colson Yankoff, yeah. the kid from Coeur d'Alene, who might start a quarterback for UW this year. Yeah. So, yeah, Idaho's having some more talent. People move to Boise as the as Idaho grows as a state, so does the talent that comes out of it. Yep. And so I think I think we're getting a good job of getting getting the top guys who maybe mm-hmm. – and I think you'll see that now that we're at the FCS, you'll get players that maybe are viewing it more – appealing than Boise State, depending on where they land on the depth chart. We'll see as this all plays out. You know, obviously we only have one full year of FCS under us. Um, but – and I, I like his ability to still go to the south because I think there's a little bit – like I kind of just flirted with there with the Boise State thing. If you're down in the south, let's say Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, um, yeah, there's how many UL Monroe's and UL Lafayette's and <laughs> South Alabama. And oh, so man. if you're able to go in there and be a team that's not one of those, I feel like that differentiates you from maybe some of, you know, to, to your family and friends where, yeah, it's like, oh, you're the last guy, you know, one of four guys from this high school that are going to university or Texas State. Or you can be the guy that goes up to Idaho. And not, that's not even including if you're, you know, getting looked at by an FCS school all the FCS schools down there in the SWAC and uh, Ohio Valley and everything, if, if you're able to take – differentiate yourself by going somewhere where most people from your area aren't going, I think that kind of is appealing to some of these guys, being like, yeah, I can be the, the next guy to play at Mississippi, Grand Valley, whatever, or I can go play at Idaho, um, which should be and hopefully will be very soon a premier program in the, in, in the FCS in the big sky. And I think that's a really cool thing that – Sorry, Eastern Washington and Montana aren't going to be able to go down to the south and get guys like we can down there with Petrino's connections. They might be able to snag a guy or two here and there, but Petrino can get – I mean, think about – Yeah, think about Tyrese Walker and Richard Montgomery, uh, you know, guys that Petrino got just calls from their high school coaches and were like, I don't know why this guy's not getting looked at. You need to come get him. We find some of these freak athletes that should have gotten, you know, higher offers and he's got – Great relationships down there with coaches that know who to feed him. And uh, I, I like that we kind of are keeping our southern ties. And then, uh, you know, we're, we're recruiting the Northwest and then apparently a splash of Arizona. And uh, speaking of, yeah, you know, out of my top 10 favorite recruits, I think every single Arizona player uh, recruits on there. I'm excited to see us recruiting Arizona. Yeah, and it's a great state, another talent-rich state, I think, that gets overlooked sometimes. Um because of California being right next to it. So uh, there's a lot of good guys coming out of, coming out of Arizona. 
and in Arizona, you only have three football programs. You have the two Pac-12 schools and then Northern Arizona um, at, the, at the top level of football. And I think sometimes I think they kind of want to go somewhere else just besides Flagstaff, you know, yeah. um, when it comes to – if they're not good enough to make it to, to ASU or to UA, they kind of maybe want to go somewhere other than Flagstaff. So I think, you know, we can sell them on that. And that came down to connections. And, you know, um, Steve Oliver – really worked his butt off this last off season and getting those guys signed and making sure that we establish Arizona as a great recruiting ground for us these next few years. So I was excited about this class. I know um, me and some of the guys, we have a group text. We were kind of like, is Idaho, man, like you guys are really signing some good guys this year. Like we, that's a, this is a good class. Um, we know we were really paying attention, I think, to hearing, oh, Idaho has a top 10 rated class in the 24-7 in FCS. It's like, Holy crap! You know this is this is a class that can compete with where we were getting guys when we were FBS. So uh, I'm excited for this class, and I'm excited for spring ball to start. First practice is uh, 19 days coming up. Jeez, that seems so quick. I feel like maybe it's because you know I'm. I was gonna say funny saying it to you. I feel so busy during the football season between getting the stats, <laughs> writing an outline, recording, probably editing yeah. it. But it feels like I just got done with my break, and it's about to pick back up. I mean, the spring game and everything like yeah. that. But uh, I'm excited about it. They just it. had showtime. They said showtime. For those of you who don't know what showtime is, it's the night where they come in the weight room. Uh, it's clean max night, and they do it in groups. And it's just people are in there watching, and it's a really high in energy, and they do it at night, and it's a big time. They just finished that up. So they just finished up uh, their winter uh, conditioning uh, lifting schedule, which is – your two big blocks when it comes to – sorry if I'm getting too long-winded here, but when it comes to the way you break up your season with lifting and everything, you start off, you come back in January after a season, you work your butt off for those first eight weeks. Um, you work out four days a week. You're doing mat drills outside at 5.30 in the morning um, in the snow. Yes, they have been doing mat drills outside in the snow during all this. I am friends with all those guys. Still see the Snapchats and everything. They're up at 5 a.m. in the dome, getting ready to go outside and work their tails off. Um, so, and then you work in the weight room a lot. And then usually you hit you hit your maxes at the end of your uh, winter lifts, and then you go to spring break. You come back. Usually, you might have a mat drill or two, but then you'll hit spring ball. And by the time the spring ball is done. Um, that's when you are hitting finals week. So you take kind of take that time off but during spring ball. You're not lifting the same way you're lifting almost during season, maybe two to three times a week. No early mornings. It's more of season kind of time, your meetings, practice, that kind of stuff. Um, you go to summer, you get about four, four or five weeks off in the summer before you come back as a group. And then you hit those another seven, eight weeks hard. Like you hit it in the winter. You're um, doing some mat drills. You're lifting four days a week. They're throwing, um, they're doing team stuff. And then you kind of get a week off and then you come back for spring ball and not spring ball, you hit fall camp and then you get into season. And that's just kind of how that whole thing goes. So the winter time, this is a really time that people don't pay attention to, but the winter is when you build being a team. This is when you build your strength. It's when you build your speed. It's where you build your toughness because you're outside doing mountain drills at 5 a.m. in the morning in zero degree weather and three feet of snow in Moscow. And so this is a really big time they just completed. And from what I saw, guys like they had a lot of energy. Guys looked like they were excited to be there. And I think it was a really good time to be building as a team this last these last five, uh, eight weeks. Yeah, I I know I'm excited. We're we're trying to plan a, a, a like a tubs at the club like year end review type thing. We're trying to plan it around the spring mm-hmm. game. Um, so we'll have to work on that. But I I know I'm excited for spring ball to you know start and I'm planning on finishing or 
paying attention to it a lot more this this season, obviously with um, kind of where we're at and covering the team. But I guess being a part of the team, um, playing Division One football, I kind of I got two little last questions for you. First off, All right. what are you looking for from the team in in, in spring ball? And then the second one I want from you, who is Alex's sneaky pick um, for a player that most casual Vandal fans um, that might not even listen to this till July when they think, remember Vandal football is played in the spring. Who do you think they're going to see on the field this year that would surprise them that maybe they haven't heard about before that's about to take a huge jump into our living rooms on Saturday? All right. So the first one was kind of like what was about is about spring. Yeah, that was the first one. What do you want to see from these guys in the spring? You know, spring ball can be a drag. It's it's uh it's not the most fun time because one of the great parts of fall camp and season is you get rewarded at the end of the week or at the end of the month, and that's called a game. Um, you're still, you know, what five? You're still yeah. over five months away from your first game. Um, so it can, sometimes it can be a little bit of a drag in terms of that. So what you have to do, it's really, you're really excited to get out there that day one and your helmets, you know, because you're back in practice, you're doing the fun stuff. Yeah, it's fun. We're not doing drills anymore in the snow or inside the, or in the dome. That's fun. All right. Yeah, we got pads on. All right. It's going to be fun. It's, it's practices one through five. They're all right. It's when you get to five through 12 that it gets really tough because you can practice 10. You're like, man, and you keep only practice three times a week. You're like, man, how long is it going to be? And so what I'm looking for is, and this is the times that people will go out there. It's when they go out there on those Monday and Wednesday practices when they're not scrimmaging. Is how do they res- how do they act? Practice ten eleven. How are they responding to to hitting each other, hitting the same dudes that they've been hitting for the last month? How are they responding to that? And if it's a team that's excited to go out there every day and they're excited to compete and and, and do that kind of stuff, then we're in for a treat. Because I, I remember, you know, I've, I've seen this program change quite a bit and. I remember that that fifth that winter of fifteen, you know the the program kind of started changing. It was you know we're we're getting we're getting, we're not be better. we're going to win more than one game. We're better than last year. We're better than last year. That kind of moved into spring ball. So, but in two thousand sixteen, kind of looking at it, um, you know things kind of started changing around. With guys were excited to be there. It was everyone wanted to compete more. We wanted to be more than that four win team that we were the year before that. So if these guys can come out this year and really compete their butts off. Um, they're going to be something special. And, you know, I was kind of talking about the schedule. Um, you know, spring ball, you usually practice Monday, Wednesday, and then Friday or Saturday, depending on if you're in a scrimmage or not. Those Monday practices are usually 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, Wednesdays have also in the afternoon. The Fridays either in the afternoon, night, or Saturday mornings. But I've heard they're going to change schedules this year, and they're going to practice Wednesday mornings at 5.30 a.m., almost like a mat drill kind of thing. But if they can come out there every day and you've got to have – and this is where the leadership is really important. It's one thing when a coach wants to get excited, but if you got your leaders and you got your seniors being excited and being vocal about it, it makes it a lot easier for the freshmen and the sophomores to be excited if you got someone they look up to and respect being excited. So – I think uh, depending on how the senior leadership is this year, and I hope it's great because I know this group is kind of coming together close as a family right now because especially what's gone on recently. Um, I really hope that this team can just be excited and have something to play for this year. Um, I forgot what was the second question. Kind of oh, someone someone I'm you know can make a name yeah, for themselves. You might not have heard of. Um, or should expect a way bigger oh, role this year. Um, you know, you've talked about the crowded the crowded running backfield. 
um, someone who was really exciting last spring ball, and they got hurt and tore up everything in their knee. Um, Dylan Thigpen, that kid is an absolute monster when he runs downhill. He's not the biggest dude, but he runs hard. And this is a guy who is going to have his time to shine in the backfield this year, hopefully, um, next to next to Rowe and some other guys back there. Um, Thigpen, this guy blew out everything. His knee had like six different knee surgeries, was going back and forth to Texas, I think, for rehab. And that's where he got his knee done. Um, but this is a kid that is going to be awesome. And then another kid who I think could be a great special teamer um, and, and then just see his role continue to grow is a guy like Eddie Becker. Um, this is a guy that just is remind is just so Idaho. He's from Genesee, but he loves to play football. He loves to hit. And he got quite a bit of time on special teams as a redshirt freshman. Um, you know, he played in his four games max. And not too many guys got to play other four games max to keep their redshirt. And he was one of them. So I don't know how much you're going to see him play linebacker maybe, but you'll probably see him almost start on every special teams. And this, and that's a, a perfect example. Ed Hall walked on like Eddie, um, kind of, you know, some from schools that not too many people really knew about and redshirted their first year, made a name for themselves on scout team, and then came in their second year and just balled out on special teams. That's where Ed got to start was his special teams and just kind of worked his butt off. So this is a kid that reminds me of someone who could become like an Ed Hall. Uh, I mean, we could use another Ed Hall. It's, you can't have too many of those guys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Ed, Ed's, Ed's, Ed's persona, Ed's a different guy outside of football. Ed's a, Ed's a goofball. He's not the quiet kid that everyone <laughs> thinks he is. and he's not, he's not the perfect child. Trust me, I lived the guy for four years, I can tell you. Um, but, hey, you know, you've probably heard of the Forever Shower Project that Ed, Ed and I have done. Ed's actually working on a catheter, redesigning the catheter right now to make it more um, sustainable and clean. And I think we're actually getting to a business competition down in Boise. That's we're going to awesome. present that coming up. Uh, I found that out today. But that guy never stops designing and never stops inventing. So yeah, he'll he be a rich won, man someday. Uh, the NCAA Foundation's Scholar Athlete of the Day or something like that. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, you know, yeah, I can't let it go to that. his head. I have to make, I, yeah, I have to keep him go grounded. Get national Merit or Nobel Peace Prize, Ed. Yeah, he's not, he's not that <laughs> impressive. He's um, all right. You know what? I, I, I'm going to ask you one more question, and then uh, just because, all right, you know, it's, I'm going to ask TATC it to ourselves because shot across the fellow podcast on this same channel, the basketball update ran by uh, Brian Marceau, just because we need to get together and have our own little powwow about this. But I want your opinion on it. I don't know if you saw our, our Twitter poll, but um, I saw a very interesting thing from one of our friends, the Montana Mint. They were talking about it on their podcast. Uh, would you rather? Mm-hmm. Because I think it got a little misconstrued because, you know, things on Twitter don't exactly come across how they're supposed to. Uh, yeah. Would you rather Idaho, and this would obviously probably be if we were playing every year, beat Boise State or your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? Okay, Boise see, State. That's, that's, that's how I feel, Hands too. Because, obviously, as we can Hands tell down. from being on this podcast, you know, you're actually emotionally invested in the University of Idaho uh, you either paid money to go there or whatever. You you got a degree from there. Pro sports are fun and everything, but at, at the end of the day, they're just a rooting interest or a city you live in. Where the Idaho is personal, and Boise State is personal, and you really stick it to your friends who also have a rooting. Well, maybe not at Boise State. Not a lot of alumni down there. But, yeah, I don't have yeah. too many friends down I, there. I had, <laughs> I had to like, uh, even give people the option of, like, or would it take a FCS national title for you to be more happy about Idaho winning the FCS title? But uh, – 
I still had a lot of people that were like uh, a, a little upset with the whole Boise State thing. I was like, all I'm saying is I agreed. Uh, Hot Take Nate is the one who posed the question and was the one who answered. He would rather, obviously, his Bobcats beat the Grizz every year than the Seahawks win the Super Bowl. And I was like, I feel the same way. You I'd know, rather the Vandals beat the Broncos every year than yeah. the Seahawks win the Super Bowl. I think it's a good question. You know, it's it can kind of get, you know, misconstrued, like you said. But it's easy for me to say, you know, um, the, the Vandals over the Broncos because my NFL team, I'm a Steelers fan. So we've already – we've won enough. So everyone needs to catch up to us. It's not like – I don't think, you know, Super Bowl, yeah, we've got six of them. So I'll take a win over Boise State. Yeah, maybe it's because we haven't beat Boise State in a while and both our teams have won a Super Bowl in the last at least – 20 years. No, you guys are even on 10. So, I mean, in the last 10 years, both the Steelers and Seahawks have won a Super Bowl. So maybe it's a little uh, a little bit more fresh for us having a Super Bowl victory than a Vandal win over Boise State. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'll I... – Now, now if, ooh, if you ask me ML, if you ask me if my favorite ML, MLB team won a World Series, that would be a little tough. I'm a Mariners fan. So to take a World Series would be ecstatic. So that would be a tough one. Uh, but Super Bowl, I'm going to take the Vandals over Vandals over the Broncos right, any day. I, I 100% agree with that. I'm glad you're on my side. Um, so <laughs> anyways, I think that's uh, kind of where we're at with the podcast. Um, well, I'm sure we'll have you on again because it's always great conversations and everything. And uh, there's so much we can talk to you about. But uh, – I guess any any closing remarks you've got, um, now, now's the time to do them. And also, it's uh, if you have one, it's the getting iced question um, where you can ask me anything you want. I, I forgot to pro- remind you of that. So if you got one off the top of your head. I know. I was thinking about that earlier. Um, closing remarks real quick. Just wanted to say shout out um, Vandal football team, Vandal family, um, losing Colin Sather. Um, you know, I only knew the kid for a year, but he was a good kid in the locker room, always had a smile on his face, always telling a joke. Um, so it was really heartbreaking hearing that, um, you know, out of, out of Idaho. Um, you know, those are my brothers up there. So I know kind of what they're going through. We, you know, being part of a team that lost Jace Malik a couple years ago, it's never easy losing a teammate, uh, especially someone that's kind of just kind of happened out of nowhere. Um, so I know I'm looking forward to, to getting back up there and seeing some of the guys and see how everyone's doing, especially some of his better friends. You know, I know him and Connor Whitney were best friends, especially coming out of high school. So – you know, it's crazy for that to happen. Um, and not not to be really ominous or anything. I don't want. It's a kind of a weird weird stat that I had. You know, the last time an active Idaho football player passed away while he was on the team. Um, you know, Jace passed away. He was on the team, but you know, he had never really um, been able to practice. But the last time an Idaho active player passed away, it was Ken McRoyal um, back in the two thousands under Aiken. He was also wearing the number eighty two. Um, so that's something that just kind of sent a chill down my spine when I first realized that. So, um, it's never easy losing a teammate. Um, you know, but so they got something to play for this year up in Idaho. Um, he's a great kid and he always was a great, great time in the locker room. So, um, I think, you know, every time you have a little something extra to play for, man, it just makes it that much more because you realize there's a lot more to life outside of football. And so, you know, a shout out to that team for really putting their heads down and working and, but also representing him and representing the university well. So um, not to be a little jury and a little sad, um, just had to talk about that real quick, um, but getting iced. Oh man, this is tough. Uh, all right. This is a more of a personal question, more of a personal question. Um, you're a soccer guy. I am. Okay. You're a soccer guy. Favorite soccer team, favorite, favorite soccer club. Oh, well, man, I'll get flagged. Well, I probably won't get flagged from, uh, that's a stereotype. You're gonna say the Sounders, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, 
right, all right. Choose choose a European team. I'm not a big MLS guy, but give me a European uh, team. You okay? Yeah, that's easy. Um, so it's kind of a weird one because uh, it, it's kind of like uh, like I said with the whole professional sports thing. Not living in England, not being from England. Um, I didn't have to grow up with one to really choose one. Uh, so I am a QPR fan, Queens Park Rangers. Uh, you know, down there in Loftus Rose, West West London, they're playing in the championship now. Because they're in the championship, I do want to be excited on you know Premier League games. So in the Premier League, I do tend to pull for Tottenham. Uh, don't get it twisted. Right when QPR obviously makes a push this late season, gets promoted uh, to the Premier League next year, I'll totally drop Tottenham and be QPR all the way. But uh, in, until that happens. I pulled for Tottenham in the top flight and uh, Champions League big win uh, yesterday, beating uh, Borussia Dortmund. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I I'm a Tottenham fan for the Prem, but my my heart and soul is in QPR. Why QPR? Why 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 the why Queens Park Rangers? That is a fantastic question. Uh, I wanted to pick a London team. I didn't want to necessarily pick a London team that was super popular. Kind of growing up when I was getting into soccer, I kind of leaned at Chelsea just because I really liked. Uh, Drogba, but uh, then yeah. it was like I felt like none of my teams are big teams. I've never been a Lakers fan, a Yankees fan, so like I can't pick Chelsea. And um, QPR used to have, uh, ironically, jerseys that looked like those popsicle jerseys for the United States men's <laughs> national team. And then uh, uh-huh. Loftus Road is actually in FIFA, so uh, it was easy yeah, to, it is. Easy it to is. start a career mode with them. It felt realistic, and I. I like the jerseys, and I just think Queens Park Rangers is such a cool, cool name. Maybe it's the American in me having like, you know, Rangers at the end of it. I gotta have my teams be city, place, mascot. But uh, yeah, yeah, Menards guy. That's you know, that's not bad. Uh, I can respect a, I can respect a good QPR fan. That's a, uh, that's you know, you don't see that every day, and yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm proud of that. I love wearing my jersey. You know, little... They they the people the people always stare at me like, is that a QPR jersey? It is. <laughs> I'm a little bit more generic, obviously. You know, you know, I talked about this before the show. Manchester United fan. Um, I'm basically the New York Yankees of soccer. Um, so people can choose to hate me as they will, but I need some winners in my life. It happened winners lately. So you know, as I'm a big Mariners fan, big Steelers fan, Idaho struggle over the time. So man, I I need something a little bit. But that's good to know. I I to know. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not the biggest MLS guy. I pay attention a little bit, mainly Concacaf Champions League. Mm-hmm. Been paying attention to that. Um, but you know, I like Atlanta United. It's like the way they handle themselves as an MLS team. They seem the most European to me, and that's the way I like my soccer teams. That's uh, that's that's a good way to handle it. I don't. I totally different podcast on all this, but uh, uh <laughs> I would be like, you know, Atlanta United, European. They got. Bunch of South uh, South Americans on their team, but yeah, that's European. That makes them very that's European. European. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, fantastic podcast. Had a blast. Yep. Glad having having you on. Um, you guys can uh, obviously you should. I'm sure most people have already found the Kicking It podcast, but if not, I hope so. You need to go download it. It's on SoundCloud. You guys have it on a couple other places now too, right? And then I guess SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Apple, Apple. So find us on any of those. And then uh, we're on all the big ones. Do the do the shameless Twitter plugs for for the podcast, Andrew. Um, so uh, find us Twitter um, K I C K N I T podcast. Um, find the show K I C K I N apostrophe um, it podcast. 
uh, maybe search my name up, Alex Boatman. Follow me on Twitter at Boatman Alex. Um, I'm always putting my takes out there, mainly soccer related. So, um, but you'll find, you know, I love being on the show. I love everything I can contribute. I love talking to Idaho. Yeah, and we we love having you on. Uh, we're gonna make the push now and probably put out a Twitter poll. We need uh, Alex to change his uh, Twitter tag to the best of all time um, because he he <laughs> is the best of all time to have on here at Tubs of the Club. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in, giving us another listen, even though you know we're trying to stretch football out as much as possible, but football is a year-round sport these days. Um, obviously back to the gridiron leather skin football that we're talking about. Uh, but, yeah, we, we got spring ball coming up, and then I'm sure I'll find ways to keep you guys interested throughout the year. Big happy family. Check out the Kicking It podcast again. Um, if you haven't done it yet, I'm going to kick you. But, uh, yeah, that, that's all I got for you guys. Now it's time for the best band in all the land. <laughs>